1: Laura Curran joining us live.
0: It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC.
1: So it's no secret that New York is often rated one of the least business friendly states. Uh, A big part of that is lawsuits, many lawsuits for businesses, for many reasons. And my next guest is Tom Stebbins. He's executive director of the Lawsuit Alliance of New York. He's concerned that a law that has been introduced but not yet passed, in fact, it's come up a couple of years before but hasn't been passed, could make business uh, New York even less business-friendly. It's called the 21st Century Antitrust Act. And here to unpack all this is... Tom Stebbins. welcome to the welcome back to Cut to the Chase.
0: thanks so much, Laura. Great to be with you.
1: So the last time you were here, we talked about the scaffold law and why that makes building and essentially living in New York more expensive. Tell me what you're concerned about with this antitrust act because, hey, you know, antitrust, you think of robber barons, you think of Theodore Roosevelt. It sounds like a good thing, right? Yeah, and as you said,
0: the scaffold law makes building more expensive. But what the antitrust act does is it makes succeeding more expensive. It relies on this untested theory of dominant position in the marketplace, which is more than thirty percent of the potential market. Now that sounds well. Gosh, you know you would you would want to regulate that in some way. The problem is, is there's lots of industries, lots of things where a dominant position is just a natural state. You could have a rural area that only has a supermarket or two, right? So they're potentially engaging in antitrust activities. Mm. Maybe there's only one tire store for 30 miles around. Maybe there's only one company that manufactures a particular widget that goes into a particular medical device or what have you. And because they're manufacturing that, they are creating and developing life-saving innovations for all of us, but this bill would allow lawyers to come and essentially sue them out of business saying that you have an abuse of dominance. Well, at a certain point, we should not be incentivizing taking people who have succeeded in their business to court and extracting money from them. And it's not just profit seeking lawyers. You could see a situation where competitors might do this, right? So if you have say a Wegmans that has a large portion of the market in a part of New York and then Whole Foods comes in and says, well, you're abusing your dominance. We are going to sue you. That could, they could then settle and say, all right, well, here's the money to open up a Whole Foods right across the way from us.
1: Hmm. Now, people who defend this uh, are saying that, well, this will actually protect small businesses. They're saying something different from what you're saying. This will protect small businesses. It'll protect consumers. And it will keep these, you know, greedy corporations from just getting richer and richer.
0: Yeah, the irony of that is that this is kind of meant for Facebook and Google and, you know, those giant companies. I think that's kind of the goal. But unfortunately, the way the law is written is that they essentially say a dominant position in the marketplace, which could be so many different groups, right? right? We've heard from lumberyards on this. I mean, if you think about it, there's not a whole lot of places that have lumberyards, right? And yet you want those to exist somewhere near your community. Do you need three of them? Do you need six of them?
1: It's funny. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of I live in Baldwin. There's this famous stringed instrument store called Colstein's. There aren't many others (laughs) around. Are they going to could they potentially be sued?
0: Yeah, exactly. How many stringed instrument stores are there in 30 miles of Baldwin? Probably not many. And so you could see a situation where private attorneys could then come and say this is an abuse of dominance. And that doesn't do anything for the consumer at all. Essentially, what it will do is put some of these small businesses out of business, put some of these innovators out of business, and essentially send more people online to order from Amazon and order Hmm. on Facebook and use Google. So it's almost going to have the exact opposite effect of what the, the drafters of this bill are trying to do, simply the way the language is drawn up. So that's what our concern is, is we support trying to regulate monopolies. But we don't support doing it in such a way in this kind of amorphous legal standard that can really rope in a lot of smaller businesses that you might not expect.
1: Now, this bill was passed by the Senate, but not the Assembly in 2021. Same in 2022. uh, Is this what is the status of it for 2023? Has it been passed by the Senate yet?
0: It has, I don't know if it's moved in the Senate yet. I'd have to look at that. But, you know, obviously, with it moving in the Senate, there's a concern that it is just one step away. Yeah. If the assembly were to pass it. And do you and think so, this
1: year might be different than the, the previous two years?
0: It's certainly possible. I mean, there's more kind of concerns about antitrust, concerns about anti competitive behavior. And we get that, and we believe that we should try to find ways to regulate that. But the way this bill is currently drafted is not the way to do it. And so that's why we're kind of trying to sound the alarm, uh, because, again, you could see even, you know, I mentioned kind of more rural things like lumber yards, but you could see a situation in the Bronx where, you know, there's not a whole lot of supermarkets in a particular area around a thing. You have these things known as food deserts, right? Well, what we don't want to do is sue the one supermarket that's trying to make a go out of it, out of business, saying that they are abusing their position in that food desert in the Bronx. So again, that's another way that it's going to have the exact opposite effect is what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah, it's hard enough to run a grocery store these days. One, (laughs) One interesting aspect of this bill is that it gives the attorney general an elected position a lot of flexibility in interpreting and enforcing the act. And if you're, say, you are a super progressive and you don't like corporations and you really think you're fighting for the little guy, uh, be careful what you wish for because someday there could be someone else sitting in that seat as attorney general who has a completely different ideological bent than you. And are you sure you want to give up that much control to an elected official for something like this. Absolutely.
0: I mean, just think about what Ron DeSantis is doing with Disney. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah.
0: You know, and talk about abuse of power. You know, Disney has a pretty good hold on Orlando last (laughs) night. And I think most people would agree what Ron DeSantis is doing there to especially attacking this corporation. If he had more power, if he had more teeth, if he had essentially the powers of the attorney general, where he could bring even criminal things. I mean, that that would be devastating. And you could see a situation where elected officials would use this for politically motivated witch hunts to just get the headline, to get the, make sure that they have the press conference. And the problem is, is at the end of the rainbow, to use a Disney analogy, there's Mm -hmm. an actual business that employs actual people.
1: Now, this law also, there was something about allowing more class action claims, class action suits to enforce its provisions. Is this is this an aspect of the bill that's particularly concerning to you, Tom Stebbins, of the Lawsuit it, Alliance of New York?
0: It absolutely is. And we actually, there's another bill out there, too, that essentially does the same. But in terms of this bill, it would essentially privatize, it would deputize private attorneys to kind of go after these things so in addition to giving the attorney general more power which has certain problems it would also deputize private attorneys to go after these lawsuits and you can see a situation where they would file those lawsuits in order to extract money from any business that they could that they believe had abusive dominance but you bring up a great point too about class actions there's another bill out there that essentially incentive that increases the minimum damages for class actions from $50 to $1,000. Hmm. So every crazy lawsuit that you hear about where somebody says, you know, there weren't enough Gigi fruits in my Gigi fruits box or when I opened up this bag of TGI Fridays potato skins potato chips it wasn't piping hot potato <laughs> skins with sour cream on them like they, these are literal lawsuits that actually happen wow. you know, my onions don't have the nutritional value of onions well these are Shocking. literal lawsuits that were actual filed my like greek yogurt's not from greece whatever wow and the problem with those suits if you increase that minimum from 50 to $1000 What you do is you take essentially a nuisance suit where somebody might say, I had two cents of damage, and you turn it into a $200 million potential liability for, say, Chobani, which is a great New York company.
1: Great New York company.
0: To make Greek yogurt. Yeah. And so they faced one of these lawsuits. And because it was seriously, that's a serious
1: lawsuit that this Greek yogurt is not from Greece. (laughs) Serious is
0: a strong word.
1: (laughs) An actual real
0: lawsuit. Is it real? Yes. Is it serious? No. And I would say most of the people that ate Shabani yogurt didn't say, oh, my God, I was injured because this is from New York. It says right on the canister. It's from New York.
1: And we, right. want, we want it to be in New York. We love that it's in New York. We don't oh, want it I'm to so go included. somewhere else.
0: That's right. It's a long way from Greece, and dairy is not super good on long trips. <laughs> so let's make this from New York. And that by the way, good.
1: I just have to say, Funyuns, someone thought there was actual nutritional value in a Funyun. I'm sorry.
0: They did. They said they sued them, saying it did not have the <laughs> nutritional value of onions. Now, I would argue that nobody actually thought that yeah it should happen but an attorney a lawyer said you know what i can file this lawsuit a judge might not throw it out maybe and if he doesn't it's going to cost the company money to defend it and they'll just pay me instead well and that's a real problem
1: so let's just let's just take this chobani idea a little further chobani you know may be faced with this kind of lawsuit and then we'll have yep. to pay so much more if found to be liable. Well, wouldn't Chobani, along with other companies, just pack up and move somewhere else and, and employ people in other states?
0: Absolutely. Which is part of the reason things like this should be done at the federal level. Right. If you want to if you want to crack down on antitrust behavior, don't do it at the state level. Do it at the federal level. And if you want to, you know, do something with class actions, that's fine. But why would Shivani want to stick around for that, right? They can literally just go 60 miles south of Pennsylvania. There's plenty of dairy farms there and set up shop there. And that's no skin off their nose. And then, you know what? They can say, geez, I'm not going to face this essential ex- existential crisis from a potential class action from a ridiculous lawsuit. Right. I think we can all agree that that's an absurd lawsuit. Why, 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 li- expose your business to that kind of liability. It doesn't make any sense. And so it does chase businesses out.
1: So in this era of uh, just discussing these kinds of issues via Twitter, a few characters, slogans, talking points, how do you fight this when the talking points of taking on the big corporations Looking out for the little guy, you know, this is the the transfer of wealth is unacceptable. The talk, you know, and then you think of the antitrust and just just the great feelings that people have about breaking up these monopolies. How do you fight that in a PR way in in a very progressive state with very progressive state politicians?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what you have to do is you have to demand more of your legislators because what the legislators are essentially doing here is they are using litigation to legislate because they would rather just Mm. say, you know what, here's what I want to do. I'm going to just let a bunch of private attorneys run roughshod over the entire economy and let's see what happens. And then I don't have to do my actual job, which is designing thoughtful and careful legislation. And so to me, we can't have our legislators using litigation as legislation. That's mm. not what it's for. So to me, as a progressive, if you're a progressive and you're listening to this, demand more of your legislators. Don't let them deputize every profit-seeking lawyer out there to go and enforce the law, We, especially if you're concerned about Large profits, right? Yeah. (laughs) Don't all of a sudden give more large profits to lawyers that are essentially abusing our civil justice system to make a profit. And I defy anybody who might be listening to this on the highway right now, I guarantee you, you will see a lawyer ad on a billboard in the next mile, right? Like, that's a thing in New York. And there's a reason for that because we have so often used lawyers to essentially do the legislature's job and that is not
1: Right. Yeah, that is not the way it was intended. There's also a danger of government uh, over overdoing, overplaying its hand, wanting to run everything, have its hands in everything. And I, I do believe in a certain amount of regulation, but we just want to make sure that it doesn't get run amok because then we're just going to run these businesses out of the state. Tom Stebbins of the Lawsuit Alliance of New York, thank you for talking about a difficult issue in a way that is incredibly understandable. Appreciate the uh-huh. enlightenment. <laughs>
0: I really appreciate it, Laura. Thanks so much.
1: All right. Take care. Well, thanks for listening to us today on Cut to the Chase. Uh, It is Memorial Day tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I'm a Long Island person. I'm really looking forward to summer, although I often think when Memorial Day comes around, well, summer's over, <laughs> and then you got the 4th of July, and then you got you got Labor Day, and then it's all back. No, but I'm not going to get negative like that. We've had a gorgeous spring, and uh, I don't know if you know this about me, listeners, but I moved a lot as a child, so uh, I was born in Canada. I moved to Belgium. Then I spent a lot of time in Florida, believe it or not, where we basically lived at the beach, which was wonderful. Then I moved to Long Island, then moved to California, back to Canada, Uh, went to high school in Washington, DC. So I really got to see a lot of the world, see a lot of this country of ours. And one thing that I am so grateful for is that I do live in a country that has very, very precious freedoms. And while we're enjoying the beaches and while we're enjoying the barbecues, you have to take that moment, just that one moment for gratitude and to thank the people who lost their lives fighting for our freedoms. The ability to think for ourselves, the ability to have a free press, the ability to choose the people who lead us. This is very rare, in the course of human history. In fact, it's very rare in the world right now. So embrace it. Coming up next on WABC, it's Positively Ernie and Patricia with Ernie Anastas and the beautiful Patricia Stark.